Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs. Thanks for joining us. Today we're quite lucky. We're talking uh, with venture capitalist David Hornick, who is a general partner at August Capital, which is uh, located in Menlo Park, California. He's also a creator and executive producer of the Lobby, Lobby Conference, which is a premier gathering that br brings together leaders in the tech industry. Uh, it's also looks like it's also usually in Hawaii, so uh, I'm guessing attendance isn't. Too yeah, too we bad. we had a couple of years in Mexico, but uh, you know, pretty much Hawaii. <laughs> that sounds nice. So I, I bet you get a few more people showing up than if it was in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Nothing against Omaha, but. Um, <laughs> so over David's uh, career, he's made some great investments, and I, I could go through the entire list, but that would take up most of the interview. So to get a feel, David's invested in companies like Splunk, Evite, Bill.com, and Red Swoosh. And we can talk about other... Yeah, you know, it's yeah. funny. People people probably have no idea what Red Swoosh is, but uh, but it turns out that Red Swoosh is the first... Uh, actually, not the first. The second company that Travis Kalnick started. Uh, had a company called Scour when he was still in college. Out of college, started this company, Red Swoosh, and then... Uh, and then most of you probably have heard of his latest company, Uber. So uh, I probably I probably should have funded Uber as well as Red Swoosh, but, you know, you, you can't win them all. That's right. That's right. Yes, I've heard of Red Swoosh because of that. But that's the only reason why, <laughs> why I've heard of yep, it. Yep, um, yeah, so, David, uh, thanks for joining us today. At the, yeah, thrilled to do it. So um, let's get going, and uh, we can start to, I'll start asking questions, and uh, excited to to chat more so yeah so how did you become a vc i know you have a legal background and what attracted you to the vc industry back in 2000 i think is when he started yeah i mean it's funny people, people say so why why did you become a vc and the answer to why did i become a vc is because someone let me that's the <laughs> <laughs> that's the short answer right. to why did i become a vc uh, um which isn't to say that I was unhappy with the things I was doing. I was actually, uh, I was an attorney in uh, Silicon Valley representing startups. I found it completely engaging. I was working with some amazing clients. And from 97 to 2000, which was that very first internet bubble, there were lots of really big, interesting companies getting built. There were, you know, uh, we, I helped help those companies grow and, uh, and one of those companies was this company, Evite, and I was Evite's lawyer, was helping them uh, in their process of raising money and drafting contracts and doing all sorts of things. And I, and I was sort of a loudmouth. Uh, those who know me wouldn't find that as a, uh, an unreasonable description. <laughs> uh, I would sit, uh, I would say to the team, like, oh, you should do this, you should do that. I was at board meetings um, uh, giving my advice, whether it was solicited or not, and um and I got lucky in that instance. It turns out that there were two of the four partners at the time at uh, my now firm, August Capital, uh, who were sitting on that board. And they got to know me over the period of a year or two and um, and ultimately got to see that I wasn't just acting like a lawyer. I was introducing the company to, to potential employees. I was helping them create partnerships. I was doing all sorts of things along those lines. And then... Um, and so after after a while getting to know me, they, the partners in August said, hey, have you ever thought about the venture business? And I had obviously thought about the venture business because in Silicon Valley, you know, when you when you sit, look, the venture capitalists are, uh, it's a pretty coveted job. It turns out that it's sort of take money from 
from some great investors in our instance, universities and foundations and the like, um, and find amazing companies to invest in and then help. And if they're, if they're successful, then everybody, uh, does very well. And so I kind of looked at it and said, wow, here's an opportunity to do that. And I spent a bunch of time with the partners at August, uh, before they said, okay, fine, we'll let you join us. So, four, you know, four months of conversations and they said, hey, uh, David, you know, lawyers uh, suck at this, and <laughs> you you will likely fail. Um, but on the other hand, we like you very much, and so if you're interested in taking a risk, then we'd be happy to have you join us. And my answer to that was, yes, thank you very much. I'm very happy to take a risk. Um, and I've been uh, at August for the last going on 16 years. So uh, it turned out to be a pretty good deal. Yeah, I guess so. So how, I mean, how was it going from the, the legal industry, the, the VC world, because you, you had to establish a network. Um, you know, how were those first few years bringing, trying to bring deals in? I and mean, was that your main, your main role, I imagine, was bringing new deals in? Um, and yeah, exactly. I mean, the venture business is kind of, a, a, of a, an interesting thing. But in the end, basically what you do is you look for interesting companies. And uh, if you think it's interesting enough, you, you propose uh, – investing in the company and then you hope that they will let you invest and then you work with that company for some number of years until either it's successful or unsuccessful it gets sold it goes public whatever but um but step one of that which is where you you know where you start when you're a brand new vc is you better go find deals and so what does that take and truthfully i mean i i don't think i quite appreciated that when i got to august i arrived and was sort of like, here's a desk and here's a chair and now go be a VC. And, um, and that's an interesting conundrum. Like, okay, now what do you do? But it turns out that I had, you know, I was lucky in a sense because I had gone to Stanford as an undergrad and knew a bunch of people who were building interesting businesses. And, um, and, and, and I, as an attorney, I had got to know quite a few people and was working with a lot of companies. And so I had this core group of people with whom I'd worked and who knew me to be someone that was maybe, you know, slightly broader than just your typical, uh, lawyer. And, um, and so I was just off to the races, basically send an email to hundreds of people saying, Hey, just want to let you know I'm a VC now. So if you've got something that's great, let me know. Cause I've got money, you know, <laughs> and it turns out, uh, people like that. Yeah. If you that's say true. that enough, yeah, people, it might, you might bump into companies and, you know, look, the, the reality is that a lot of what we do, a lot of the venture business is about, uh, is about relationships. And so the very first company I funded actually came through my partner, John, John had been, uh, one of the earliest investors in, Intuit, And there was a team of people coming out of Intuit to build an online payroll business. There hadn't been no online payroll business before this. And, um, and they reached out to John saying, Hey, you, you know, uh, you know, the Intuit world, this should be of interest to you. And John said, you know, hey, David, I'm not sure the payrolls is terribly of interest to me, but why don't you take a look because it's probably a good team. And I spent a bunch of time with that team and they and I, and decided that they were great and that this was an interesting idea and uh, funded them. It was a CEO named Rene Lassert. And the lawyer for that company, a uh, guy named Mike, Pat- Mike Patrick at Fenwick & West, uh, got to know me well. And then he introduced me sometime later to three guys who he thought I would find interesting. I spent time with those three guys. I ultimately funded them. 
and they were the founders of this company Splunk, which turned out to be a, a you know very successful business. Renee ended up uh, we ended up selling uh, Bill.com, and then Renee started a new. I'm sorry, we sold PayCycle. Uh, and then Renee started a new business called Build.com, and I funded that one. And so it's sort of, you know, it is a little bit of a snowball effect, uh, but you really, but you need the momentum. You need to get that first thing going. Gotcha. And yeah, and how how did you feel funding that first company? Were you uh, nervous, confident, all the above? I, I mean, oh, you're definitely yeah. No, no, you're definitely not confident. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have to say to this to this day, I'm not confident. <laughs> right. you, you spend a bunch of time. You look at amazing companies. You look at these great entrepreneurs. And and it's a big weaning process, right? I mean, I look at, uh, you know, c- call it a thousand uh, plans of some sort over the course of a year, and I fund one or two of them. Mm. And so you've seen a lot of stuff that you said no to. Uh, you've, you know, seen stuff that you think is interesting, but haven't gotten there for one reason or the other. You get down to the end and you say, okay, this is the one I'm going to fund. You know, that's an exciting time, but it's also you know, you're only going to do a couple of those yeah. in any given year. And so, it, so that, so, so then you get to, you know, the venture, um, venture capitalists talk about that first meeting as the, the, Oh shit meeting. It's the meeting where you have invested, you're excited about the company. And then they tell you all the things that are going poorly, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, yep. and you know, that's just sort of par for the course. So yeah, I was super, um, super nervous about it and and fr- frankly hadn't you know i had not sat on boards before i had just been the lawyer and suddenly here i am the board member um but you know as, as i was talking with renee uh this guy renee lacert uh the ceo of build.com at the build.com board meeting um and i said hey renee you know you and i i think we just passed our 15th anniversary together you know wow. Wow. and it and it which is true. In November, Renee and I have been work as of this past November. Renee and I have been working together for 15 years. I've been married to my wife for 22, and I've been with Renee for 15. <laughs> so um, that's a pretty that's a pretty long term relationship. Uh, in honor of that, if anyone listening needs to automate their accounts payable and receivable <laughs> and do electronic bill pay for small and medium businesses, Bill.com. I like it. Yeah, you always have to be promoting. <laughs> that's, that's key. Uh, but you make such yeah. a good point about how the, the inside and outside perspective of a firm is so so different. When you you read about a company in the paper, like, oh, you know, they're perfect, everything's going well, but that doesn't seem to generally be the case. <laughs> there's always a there's always yeah. I mean, look, issues. you know, if you if you look at this company Splunk that I was talking about yeah. before, you know, I funded it with you know three guys and an idea. The idea was to essentially build a search engine on top of log files before there was any talk of big data, before people were really focused on machine data. And, you know, it it's now a seven-ish billion dollar public company. There are 20, two, over 2,000 employees. It's this amazing company. Um, but, you know, there was a point in time in which we fired a bunch of people <laughs> because we had just, it just had gotten ahead of itself. Um, and it wasn't that it wasn't a great company. It was a great company. It was just that we didn't want to have to go out and prematurely raise a bunch of money. Uh, and so we let some people go to make sure that the burn was consistent with the business that we had. And, you know, and then it grew and then it worked. And, you know, uh, and now we're, you know, it, I mean, it's just an amazing thing to me to watch a company that is a, an idea, just, you know, a good idea for some folks turned into, um, I'm selling a couple hundred 
million dollars worth of software in a quarter, mm. you know, which that's is the crazy. quarter we just announced. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just the, the fact that that ever happened is just astonishing. It's really, uh, it's why the venture business and the startup world are so amazing. And, and in a fairly short period of time, you know, we're not talking about yeah. 50 year company. No, 11, year, 11, 11 years, years 11 years. I've, I've been, I've been on the board from, the inception, and uh, I still am on the board. This is my eleventh year. So is uh, is Splunk your best investment that you? Uh, made? Yeah, Splunk. I mean, you know, I've had I've had two uh, multi a billion or bigger outcomes. Uh, Splunk and a company called Ebates, which is a which is a fantastic kind of online shopping uh, experience that was bought by by Rakuten, Jap- amazing Japanese company. Um, so. You know they're the they're the first two, <laughs> the yeah. first two billion plus outcomes. Yeah. But that's uh, you know, but stay tuned. Stay, stay tuned. tuned. It's, right. a, it's a good, <laughs> it's a good first uh, first fifteen years. So and and I was curious for you can use either one as an example, but kind of walking through kind of like the whole. I mean, you know, you this could be the whole interview itself, I guess. But you know, with Splunk or Ebates, how you. Know, you came when you came on board with Splunk. Obviously, it was very early. You know how much you funded it with, and then what were the follow-on rounds, um, and when did it, at least with a, a Splunk IPO, you can. Um, yeah, just curious to kind of walk through the for the, the the audience how like a typical VC. Well, nothing's typical, but how these worked at least. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I can tell you about Splunk. It, it, it um, uh, it's. It's not typical. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I met the founders. A, a, a great friend of mine in the venture business named Nick Sturiali and I uh, funded the first round. Uh, we both put in four million dollars into the company. We um, raised two more rounds of capital over time, and for a total of under, you know, I think under forty million dollars, um, and. Um, and in total, I invested nine million dollars in the company. Uh, over the course of that time, the company raised, like I say, raised forty or forty or less, as I recall, um, and then got cash positive. And basically, was growing the business, was making uh, was making money, uh, didn't need to raise more money, uh, had multiple M and A offers over time, um, and said no to them. And uh, we took it public. And uh, I guess I forget. <laughs> I should know. Uh, four years ago, so 2012, <laughs> and um, and it's and it's been an interesting run. So you know, but the typical, my typical investment is a kind of Series A investment where I'm an early investor. I'll put in five to ten million dollars. I'll help the company to make some progress. If all goes well, it'll raise a Series B. That Series B is usually, you know, call it. 12 to 20 million dollars uh, things continue to grow interestingly i have this great company uh called fastly and fastly is a a, a cdn business a, a competitor to akamai that uh is built on a much better uh, both hardware and software platform which makes it a lot more flexible um and I led the Series A of that company, and then I led the Series B of the company. Uh, the A we put in, I don't know, you know, call it 10-ish million. The D we put in 20-ish million. Uh, and then we just had a Series C in which, you know, I 
call it 50 to $75 million when it's a company. And, um, and that's a, and that's the path when the company is doing well. When it's continuing to make progress, people are excited about the business. And so, um, it's possible to raise money, continue to raise larger amounts, continue to raise money at an up round. And so we hope that they all look like that. Yeah, makes sense. But unfortunately, they don't always. Um, what Have you had no. some investments where you re- really thought it should have been a, a large home run but it ended up failing? And, uh, you know, what, what do you think went wrong? I mean, I guess it's always, you know, there's probably it's timing, team execution yeah i mean it turns it it turns out you know sometimes it's team i've had companies that have not done well because the team you know imploded for various reasons um and so it really just never had a shot at working um i've had companies where you know i think a great example is this is a company i funded called uh six apart uh six apart was the leader in the blogging space and uh or or at least a leader depending on how you look at it in the early days of blogging there was uh first it was blogger which uh ev williams founder of twitter had created and he sold it to google very early um and then there were really two platforms that were that were built uh wordpress and six part and they were both doing well they're both interesting businesses Six Apart focused on building kind of an enterprise solution, and it was a it was great software. It was a great company, uh, uh, but the but the market sort of never materialized. And you know, uh, I mean, WordPress has managed to continue to be a big business or be a big company. Um, but I would I, I I'm not I don't know inside WordPress, but it looks like it hasn't uh, turned into a giant either, even though it's been at it for you know decade and a half or more. It just turns out that the market for for what we were doing didn't exist at scale, and so would have been great uh, to see it become you know the big interesting business we thought it would be, um, but in that instance, it just didn't materialize. Interesting, and I, I want to go back to one more question on the successful companies like Fastly that you know once they're going well. So how you know you, you keep the the follow on. Generally, if things are going well, the follow-on rounds keep getting larger. And so how, um, you know, at, at what point do you keep funding them before you say, hey, you really need to break even at this point? Um, or, I mean, is it just a, based on opportunity? If they if they put this much more money into marketing and sales, they're going to get this much, you know, more cash um, potential ca- uh, revenue. Uh, how do you kind of uh, look at that to – to make a company eventually <laughs> make money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think you got it right. It just it depends on the opportunity, right? I mean, I think that there are lots of businesses being built right now uh, in Silicon Valley where it feels like there's lots of opportunity, and so people are willing to lose a bunch of money and then lose a bunch of money on a per transaction basis, lose a bunch of money. Uh, you know, there are, there are all these delivery companies that um, are growing quickly. But in part, it's growing quickly because they're taking venture capitalist dollars to subsidize the delivery of your, uh, you know, of your food. And if you look at Uber when it enters the market, Uber subsidizes that market. It pays drivers to drive around and pick you up. It charges less than the market would necessarily bear in order to make sure that you discover how amazing Uber is, et cetera. So 
there are instances where people make the decision to, uh, you know, to drive the market dramatically and rather than focus on profitability. Um, I will say that I am, uh, as an investor, much more am much more inclined to say, "Hey, look, let's build a rational business." If the if the economics of the business allow us to grow more quickly without, uh, you know, without spending an irrational amount of money, then great. But otherwise, let's assume that our goal is to figure out what's the profitable version of this business. And I and I always say to all of my companies, you know. Step one in successful company building is get to cash positive because then you control your destiny. It's not, you know, it doesn't require someone to give you more money, et cetera. Uh, and then step two is build a gigantic business. But step one is pretty crucial. And, uh, and you know, those companies that I've built that have been uh, the most successful have gotten to step one actually relatively yeah. early. How, do you remember how quick uh, Splunk got there? Yeah, I don't know for certain, although, you know, I mean, one of the challenges with a Splunk is it's a big, interesting, hard software, and so it took many years to build it, right? Um, but after you've built it, then the question is, how long does it take to go to market to build a, you know, to build a profit, profitable infrastructure for the, build, for the you know, selling piece? And, um, and they, did a, they did a very good job of that. Do, do you remember how long it took for them to, by the time you, you invested before they had uh, any revenues? Because yeah, it was it was probably two and a half or three years of oh, wow. uh, of oh. product building before they had before they had a revenue generating product of any sort, right? So it's it you know it's a little easier in the web world to build something quickly and early. Uh, it is it is less easy um, less easy in the enterprise world where you actually have to put together a bunch of hard code to get yep. get it started create a lot of adapters everything yeah to bring all that. makes sense um all right so now i'm curious more let's run kind of your investment uh philosophy and how you look at it and, and and do you so how do you what's your criteria for wait investing for in companies outside of the valley do you invest much outside of value <laughs> Yeah, I'd say the answer is uh, no. I don't invest much outside okay. of the valley, but okay. that is really a um, that's a byproduct more of the opportunities I'm seeing than okay. it is a byproduct of my desire not to fund companies <laughs> elsewhere. Um, you know, I have a great company called Second Spectrum down in LA uh, doing uh, this interesting intelligence around sports uh, sports teams, and they're starting out in the NBA, so pretty fun, interesting, uh, stuff. And that one's easy cause I can hop on a plane and fly down and help them. I can, I know lots of people in LA. And so the criteria for that one was quite similar, uh, to investing in a Bay area startup and those, and it, which is essentially, is there a great team and is there, is there a big market opportunity? And am I excited to wake up in the morning and, uh, and help these people change the planet? Like that's the, those, that's the basis basics. So now if there was a company in Atlanta or in Chicago or in uh, Paris or whatever, you know, pretty similar uh, criteria. The only difference is that it's a, it's a higher bar, right? I mean, yeah. it's going to, the, the, the cost just in sheer terms of amount of time spent getting back and forth and trying to, and, and frankly, the, the overhead of trying to actually be helpful and be present 
there's some real value to to the ability to just drop in and say, hey, how are things going? That's that's pretty easy in San Francisco for me. It's pretty hard in Paris, right? And so, um, so I'll still do those deals. And uh, and in fact, uh, had an exciting company I uh, came very close to funding that that had headquarters in Paris. Um, but it's just a higher bar, right? You have to really, you have to really love that company. Especially from, uh, yeah. California. Um, yeah. Yep. And, and do you typically invest pre-revenue or is it, uh, it just depends upon. Yeah, no. I do. I mean, I think it's broad. I've invested in all, at all sorts of stages, but, um, but I, I'm very happy to invest pre-revenue. In fact, I, I, in many respects, prefer, prefer that because um, I just think the fun part is the t- t- building a team and building a product and uh, building a culture. And I just, I'd much rather be in, involved from the front end in that process and, uh, than, you know, come in when most of that stuff's established. And basically I'm a financial investor. Uh, I think the fun part is being, is, you know, is the team part. It's the building part. It's all those things. And if that's already done, then, you know, then I'd have missed out on a bunch of the fun. That's cool. You seem like you'd be a, a good VC partner because you like the early I stages. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think, look, I think there are VCs. Yeah, there are VCs who think that there, – there are lots of different kinds of VCs. There are VCs who think that it's their job to tell you how to run your business, and I am not that. Uh, there are VCs who think that they – uh, are just picking stocks and getting out of the way. I'm not that either, right? I'm something in between, which is I think that um, I think that the, my job is to help you as an entrepreneur be successful. Uh, I don't think in in the vast majority of instances that that's me, you know, coming into your office and telling you what to do. I think it's me sitting and having a conversation and making recommendations and helping you find the right people and the right, you know, the right feedback and all of that stuff um and so it sort of sits in between this uh you know command and control and uh and complete abdication i'm somewhere in the middle there <laughs> that's a good a good way to describe it i mean so it, it do you see kind of the team building as one of your uh primary ways ways that you help out um and, and you've seen so many companies the good and the bad so i, I imagine you provide lots of advice beyond that um but yeah. How do you, what are kind of your key focus areas, how you help companies or just, it just depend on each uh, company? Yeah. I, I, I think that, um, you know, venture investors, the first, first thing they do is they invest. And that's obviously, uh, of, pri- of primary importance when you're raising money that you actually get money. <laughs> um, and, and it turns out that there's sort of a bigger point to that, which is the initial money is one thing, right? Okay. I'm going to invest $10 million in your company. Um, it turns out that how you continue to participate in the company is, is, is at least as important, right? Is how do you think about following on in your investments and uh, continuing to give financial support to the company in, in ups and in downs, all that stuff. So, um, so part of it is that I, that, that, you know, I'm not only an initial investor and put money into companies, uh, and can put, you know, 5 million in or 25 million in, um, but I'm a predictable long-term, uh, you know, venture investor who thinks that it's his job to help you be successful through, you know, through sort of thick and thin. And so that's one thing. Um, I for sure spend a lot of time helping with team building. I, 
uh, do a lot of uh, helping to recruit great people into the companies I've invested in and introduce them to great people and those sorts of things. Um, I'm involved. I, I have because I have a very broad perspective just by virtue of my job. My job is to hear lots and lots of new technologies all the time. Uh, to sit at board meetings and hear how people, different people are thinking about company building, etc. Um, I have the, the the advantage of this very broad perspective that I can help bring to bear uh, on, uh, you know, f- for the entrepreneurs that I'm uh, that I'm working with. And that and that turns out to be useful in a whole bunch of capacities. Um, I help my companies raise money from other people. I help them get PR. I help them with introductions to interesting customers. Those are the sorts of things. Um, I, I I speak at lots and lots of company meetings to just share my enthusiasm for the company. Uh, turns out that's a pretty typical uh, thing that people like to have the, the venture investor do. Uh, you know, just those sorts of things. Interesting. And, and, and how do you balance, because you know, all of that is probably fairly time-consuming, how do you balance that versus finding new investments? Um, yeah. yeah, it's really tricky business. I, I used to say, when I just, you know, as you said, wait, wait hey, you're, you just become a VC, and what do you do during those first three years or whatever? Like, I used to say that uh, my job was kind of a third, a third, a third, a third looking at new deals, a third working with old deals and, uh, you know, with existing deals, and a third spending time putting, um, you know, trying to see new deals, like mm-hmm. just the bunch of other things like doing a podcast or whatever. Um, and that was a pretty reasonable thing. And, you know, it that added up in year one to a job that was like an 80 hour a week kind of job or something, you know, <laughs> um, in, in year 15, it kind of adds up. It's not clear what those ratios are anymore, although it's kind of irrelevant because each one would kind of add up to 80% of a normal reasonable job. <laughs> and so, <laughs> right. um, you know, so no matter how you slice it, you know, it's a hundred plus you're hour guy. a week job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just, it's, uh, it's just ugly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but the good, the, the good news is I really like it because I think it would be an awfully hard job if you didn't like it. If, if, if you had to do all of that and you had to try and weigh these things and you weren't getting a ton of sleep and you didn't like it. <laughs> That's pretty bad. That's a problem. Uh, it turns out that those earlier things are certainly true, but I like, I really like it. I mean, uh, some, I was talking to a friend recently about, about our respective hobbies and the answer to what is our, what are our hobbies was, you know, working. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> yep. that, that was our hobby, right? That's what we, that's what we do for fun. Um, so, uh, you know, so it, it's a, it's an interesting balancing act and it is literally different every week and that's part of the fun of it definitely and and through that what what do you um you know you spend a lot of time thinking about your portfolio companies new uh companies you know what's typically on your mind what do you worry about and how do you uh how do you deal with that um was it yeah i mean every day every week is different i mean yeah. the, I'll tell you the thing that you that if it's if it's of it it's if it's an issue is the thing you worry about the most no matter what is if one of your companies is running out of money mm. because it turns out that that's the only thing that's fatal you know to startups is being is running out of money everything else you can fix I can help you get a new VP of engineering I can help you do X Y and Z uh, 
But if you run out of money, you can't pay people and whatever else, then, you know, you're out of luck. Makes and sense. so, <laughs> yep. you know, so that, that, that's, that's definitely the one that, you know, you kind of wake up and go, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the uh, road we gotta, yeah. we, we gotta solve that one the second biggest is you know team challenges where there's you know someone who someone or a group of people who are having it having a tough time executing on the business or they're fighting with each other or they're what you know whatever those things are um those you definitely want to resolve quickly and uh and so you know we do a, i do a lot of that um so but Every day is a new day, a whole new day of worries. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the new day. Now, um, yep. And it, so I know we're running short on time. I have a couple questions: one on board means, other one on, you know, what companies are you looking for? And so the first one, you've probably been in a few board meetings, and uh, you know, how do you like to see board meetings run? Like, what would be a good structure, and what type of like pre-work would you like to see you know sent out to in the investors you know the ceo putting together the financials or questions or yeah how how do you like the process to go yeah i mean i think that's fair i i do i go to lots of board meetings over the course you know over do i i was about to say see probably go to over 100 board meetings a year and that may well be true wow, uh, wow. <laughs> that's two a week of, Something approaching that, right? So yeah. that's a lot of board meetings. Um, you know, look, you always want to have the basic information sent to you early so that you can kind of look and see how the company is doing. And those are, and and I don't have a particular set of things I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is for the company to report on the things that they think are relevant to the management of their own business. So I say, these are the things we track. These are the things we care about. Um, great. That's what I want to hear about. Um, and then... Uh, and then the best board meetings ultimately are a little bit of review about here's how we're doing, here's what we've done, et cetera. And then most of the conversation is about the tough decisions that need to be made, you know, over the, over the course of that time. So here's where we are and we have this interesting potential to do a strategic partnership. Do we want to do that? And then you have a conversation about the plus and minuses. Here are two potential operating plans and one, Burns seven million dollars and the other burns fifteen. Which do we want to do? Right? Those, you know, then a two-hour conversation ensues. That the best board meetings feel like that, um, as opposed to uh, here we're going to tell you what's been going on in the company over the last month and then say thank you for visiting. Yeah. I can, you know, I can read that <laughs> and it doesn't add a lot of value to the entrepreneurs. Whereas. Um, you know, whereas having a conversation about the strategic issues and then trying to help them through them by, oh, you should talk to so-and-so or here's a great resource or whatever, that's much more valuable. Yeah, that makes sense. That It's the questions with no easy answers. That's what you guys are there for with all your experience to shed some light on potential direction, yep. I guess. Yep. Um, and so the last question I have is just more on, you know, what, what companies are you looking for now? What you know, I know you've invested in enterprise and consumer-facing uh, um, companies. Are, is that still the case? Are yeah, you... I mean, I'm a hard, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tricky one because in the end, uh, I have a very broad view of what's interesting, and I've always invested in both consumer and enterprise. 
I've invested in SaaS businesses like uh, like uh, Bill.com, the uh, accounts payable and receivable platform for the future. Uh, <laughs> and I've been, nice. you know, and, uh, and I've been an investor in pure enterprise software like Splunk, which helps you to, you know, to figure out the, um, what's happening with your machine data. And then I've been in the consumer space where I've invested in, uh, you know, companies like uh, like Evite and like StumbleUpon and others where it's a very clear consumer value proposition. And then I've, and I've also invested in a number of payments companies, companies that are dealing with, you know, moving dollars, et cetera. So a company called WePay and another called Pay Near Me. These are companies that are building payments infrastructure and platforms to allow for uh, online transactions, et cetera. So, so I have a very broad movement, and I invest, you know, in, in most of those companies I've invested as kind of the first first big investor in the company. Uh, sometimes that was at a seed stage. Sometimes that was a kind of series A. Um, you know, but, but there are instances where I've put 10, 15, 25 million dollars into a single company uh, in the first instance because I'm excited about the business. It's later, later stage, et cetera. So, um, you know, I guess the answer is if, if you or people who are listening or have some experience great team of people are working on exciting opportunity, then I'd love to hear about it. And I'm not uh, terribly, uh, and I'm agnostic about what the, the market space is, et cetera. All right. I like it. No, that's a good way. Okay. That makes sense. So we should probably wrap it up now and uh, definitely appreciate you coming on. This is a, yeah. I mean, I can just tell the passion and energy and, you know, like you said, you work hundred plus hours, but you can just tell you love it. And uh, so really appreciate you yep. coming on yep. and sharing your story and teaching people a little bit more about the the VC world. And, uh, yeah, it's been great. All right. Thanks so much. I enjoyed it. All right. Thanks, David.